0: Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith and Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat
1: management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. Welcome back to another Land and Legacy Podcast podcast. We've got a killer podcast for you. Pun intended on that one, guys. This is part two of Missouri's opening week of turkey season. And uh, last week we talked about kind of some strategy, some techniques, habitat management, expectations, and um, what we were hoping for to uh, occur during the first week and opening days of turkey season. This week is all of that action brought to you right here on the podcast. I team up with Seth Harker to discuss our hunt. Um, it was very successful f- successful for us opening day and then Adam and Chad will get together on the second half of this podcast and talk about their incredible hunt as well we've got four birds, four hunts, very different um, hunting scenarios as well as things that you can commonly encounter throughout the very very beginning of turkey seasons in most states so um, four different hunts some extremely fast paced some a little bit more long drawn out some with an incredible amount of gobbling some with birds that come in quiet so lots of different tips for you guys to be able to learn on this week's podcast we certainly hope you enjoy it and before we dive in want to let you guys know to go and check out pureairnatives.com. Guys, they've got tons of different native plant species, mixes, blends. They are a custom seed shop. So if you have a blend in particular that you're looking for or would like to see put together, they can either create it for you or already have it. And they can adapt it to your region, to your soil type, to your aspect of the slope that you want it on. They are incredible so if you want to get extremely detailed in it, they're the guys for you. Or if you just want to go to the website, look at the already blended seeds that they've got, all native seeds. Guys, check them out at pureairnatives.com. We will also be doing a follow-up Turkey Management 301 podcast. So very, very specific turkey management. And you will hear a lot about the role that some of these blends or mixes that Pure Air carries in the life cycle and the importance of the them in the life cycle for turkey so you'll want to tune in to that podcast but in the meantime be sure to check out com. seth the man the myth the legend are you there i'm here matt all righty well gosh do we have some hunts do we have a story to be able to tell
2: holy cow what it it was awesome. I'll say that. <laughs> it's, it's, so, been, it's been awesome. It has been a
1: super solid week of turkey hunting. I had to take a trip to Kentucky, but the other days that I was not able to be in the state of Missouri chasing turkeys, whether I was helping call or filming or tagging along, whatever the situation was, birds, people, friends were on birds and, and turkeys, um, came to the call, let's say. And we've got some awesome hunts to uh, recall and share with you guys as a part two of the follow-up podcast or, or the podcast from last week where where Seth and I, we kind of brainstormed what we were hoping and what the strategy was for opening day and opening week of season. We kind of talked to you guys about that. So if you haven't checked that podcast out, be sure to go back and check out last week's podcast, and we'll discuss our plans, but truthfully, Seth, it's it's kind of a quick recap because we were very fortunate when we were chatting about what the plan was for last week. It really kind of fell right into place, kind of couldn't have drawn it up much better, and I'll let you kind of share your side of the story and um, recapping what the plan was and then going getting right into the hunt that ended up with a bird flopping on the ground at 645 in the morning.
2: Right. Well, no doubt they, they read the script. Um, you know, you know. I have hunted several openers the last, I don't know, three, four years, yeah. something yeah. like that. Um, so we kind of know how each other are thinking and feeling and things like that. And, um, the birds kind of seem to follow right in suit with us and, and, I think the last podcast, we talked about uh, how history a lot of times repeats itself. We talked about uh, how we were using our cameras to pattern these birds. Um, I believe we also talked about the edge feathering um, around the uh, primary or destination um, food source, which uh, in this case is clover, corners of clover. Um, corn and beans and there's still a lot of residual residue beans left over so the turkeys are really there it was just kind of figuring out how they were using the property in combination with the edge feathering um and the cameras kind of let us know that and then just uh knowing the history man wow what hunts hunts we had i will say um yeah in fact, it was almost a recap of 2019. Almost,
1: like uh. s- scary. Like <laughs> it, it was, it was frightening. And, and I think when when people are we we, we share just how similar it was, people like, okay, yeah, it's like over exaggerating. But like, you killed a bird right off the bat, right off the roost, and you were maybe 20 yards from where you were sitting last year, and then later right. in the morning. I was lucky enough to capitalize on a burden. I was probably twenty yards or less from where I was sitting, and both both <laughs> happened at like eleven fifteen in the morning. It's like, wait a second, when, when we when I shot and turned around, I was like, you were sitting like where I was sitting last year. And I looked at the watch, and it was just scary how how close <laughs> and how similar those hunts were. Uh, but when you say history repeats itself, that is as a fantastic illustration of it does. And you have to, I think, as a hunter, really look at patterns and try and find, you know, just consistency in the way that one wildlife choose to use an area. And then what has worked from a calling in a, in a, in a, in a sequence, um, but the way birds may approach a given mm-hmm. area. And I think that when you, and and I know that this is the way your mind works. And this is the way, My mind works and Adam and Chad's as well, but as soon as you hear a bird respond or whether it's on a roost or or you're late in the morning and you're trying to strike one up and it gobbles back, whether it's a locator call or you're just cutting and and a bird gobbles, my immediate mind goes to, where's that turkey at? And if I'm standing here or if I choose to sit down here, what? are those steps that that turkey is going to have to take to be able to get to within gun range of me. And, and that right that like mindset of, okay, what does he have to cross? Does he have to cross anything? Is there a barbed wire fence? Is there a lot of blowdowns? Is there um, weird topography features? What are those steps like? And how can I position myself and either call in a different direction or whatever it may be, set up in a different re- direction, back up and around, Reapproach the situation, so I know that I'm giving that turkey the easiest, the safest, and the most, I guess, uh, simple way to approach the setup that he is not going to get spooked or deterred or turn around or get hung up. And when you say right. history repeats itself, that's why, honestly, you sat down exactly where you did opening morning because those turkeys approached the field very similarly each and every morning when they come out to this large destination to strut and to feed and to follow hens, and it just simply works. But there is a method to right. the madness, too. It's not just, okay, trail cameras are here. It's, I know that this works, and, and the topography and the terrain, and now edge feathering really helps steer this and influence the, those travel patterns. Because it's not like you were just deer hunting these turkeys and just sitting back and waiting. These turkeys were coming to the call, but you knew how they were were going to broach.
2: Right. And, I mean, the footage speaks for itself. Uh, The edge feathering the way it funneled them even more Mm -hmm. uh, to a restricted point. Um, And turkeys are creatures of habit. Um, I think a lot of times when you really have trouble um, working a turkey or they shut up and – you know, you're like, well, they just disappeared or whatever the case may be. Um, turkeys have a routine throughout their day. Um, you know, they just don't fly down and say, well, I'm going to you know, fly over to this bill or that. They have a routine a lot of times. Um, you know, the routine is where they're going to drink, where they're going to eat. Um, If the wind's blowing, they're going to have it really hard. They have different strut zones that are Mm -hmm. out of the wind versus maybe there's a better food source up on the top uh, with other strut zones. So they have a routine, Um, and I think that's the history per se that we're trying to learn because, man, if you are where they like to be, if you are where they were last week and the week before and two days prior and you're sitting there and you have decoys out um you're just adding um you're just adding to that setup if you will they've naturally came in there and strutted yesterday the mm-hmm. day before
3: mm-hmm.
2: if you're in a spot that you know is out of the wind and you know that that's a strut zone when the winds from the north at 20 and you're down there it's natural to them they're like hey the turkeys go down here And we know about those spots because of history, so we kind of know where we want to be. And, you know, there was, if you recall, in our hunt Monday, um, you know, I shot mine off the roost. Well, we did have a little bit of slack time, Mm -hmm. um, and we did mess with some other birds Yep. um, per se. Um, And we almost did, if you will, if you want to just say that's the history of the day right there we almost got off of our um got off of that history if you will but we did wind up right back where it always repeats itself (laughs) because that's where they wanted to be that's exactly (laughs) right yeah I, i think
1: that i think that is uh there's so much truth to that is is you have to watch like birds Birds are where they're at and and I say birds too, but a lot of wildlife they where they frequent that means there's a resource or they they feel secure there, so you have to take that into account um, time and time again if if you see them often and a lot of times when you get into turkey sign, whether it's it's turkey droppings along the road or you get into a hillside that has been um, scratched and um, they're feeding heavily there. Well that that tells me that what turkeys know this area, they feel comfortable here, they're spending obviously a lot of time, and so it's probably a great place to call a turkey into and so I'm gonna I'm gonna utilize that. And and one thing I think that turkey hunters in general, Seth, really often overlook is the ability for the wild turkey, even though it doesn't look like it has visible ears on its head, but is the ability for that turkey to like pinpoint to like a mm. T uh, exactly yeah. where your calls <laughs> are coming from. So if you are calling Laying in a up. spot <laughs> that is torn up with scratch and they're like, Oh, there's a bird up there and it's probably feeding. It's calling right there. I'm going. It just it it, it, it just yeah. it provides realism to the setup and anytime you can do that, whether it's with decoys or just being where turkeys want to be, um, or where they might approach from like that if you can add realism to a setup and then just call like and sound like a turkey and use the the calls that a turkey would be responding to a gobbler you're going to probably increase
2: your success drastically so right it, and and you talk about ears and and how they can pinpoint um <clears throat> and I think a lot of hunters they don't realize um and they don't hear, even though it happens almost every time they're out there, is a turkey drumming, a Mm -hmm. gobbler drumming. Mm -hmm. Man, when they're closing the distance, you know, those turkeys can pinpoint a drum. I don't know how long it would actually be, but, you know, that is one of their main calls. Um, And hunters aren't listening for that, and... it's such a i don't know what frequency it's hard to hear man and those turkeys they hear
1: it yes yes and and and, um it's funny because you going back to so your your hunt we haven't really kind of dissected the hunt so we'll, we'll bring the kind of full circle but your hunt and it wasn't just one long beard i gotta say there was five long beards that came out Kind of nose or beak to tail, following one another right into this field, put on a, a beautiful show. Uh, first thing, light was just cresting the horizon. They were just full of color, their breast feathers. We had one strut. A couple of them gobbled there in the food plot a few times, and you were, you killed them there. Wow, that was
2: beautiful. Right, two hens sneaking in again yep. where they want to be. Yep, uh, the hens were there. All the ingredients um were there and that's that's definitely why we were there but yeah what a beautiful morning beautiful beautiful morning but but
1: I think two things that maybe a lot of hunters probably would have um I would say overlooked and I think that these two situations really allowed you to pull the trigger whether it's faster or just experience that hunt in the way you did and then I'll share one from my hunt a great takeaway um but when, when we were set up there along the food plot, birds are gobbling off to the left, you know, typical roosting area, working up a ridge, getting closer. But they hung up in the woods for, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes or so before they ever made it out to the food plot. They pitched down, and they just gobbled. They right. were gobbling at absolutely everything. It was a chain reaction all the way hey, down. You from, wonder,
2: are they going to make it or yeah, hang? yeah. <laughs>
1: But, I think that some of the things that sealed the deal and it and it was very smart from your end to wait but as we were as we were those birds had flown down or gobbling off to the left, we had two or three hens come out and into the clover food plot and work the way past the decoys and out into the um the soybean plot and right, but what happened was you did not call we saw the the hens got them on footage came out to the decoys, kind of right in the decoys. You waited specifically to call to those birds until they were just out past the decoys. So there was even more, let's say, depth or distance in between those hens and then those gobblers. And when you chose to call, even though you were sitting up in between, the hen that, that responded, she threw out a couple clucks and you guys exchanged back and forth. And that fired those turkeys up. But again from, oh, a, <laughs> from a realistic <laughs> standpoint now those gobblers were like oh wow there's already hens further out in the field they they probably were going to migrate out there anyhow the trail cameras told us that right. they were going to get there but they knew at this point now there are hens they're out there in the middle of that field I'm going because they sound like they're getting a little bit further away and then I remember remember hitting the record button as soon as she started talking because I was like, that's going to get them fired up and start slowly panning back to the timber. And it was maybe a minute or two, here come some redheads, just pop. But that was enough (laughs) to make them break. Yeah, I heard you,
2: redhead, 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 redhead.
1: (laughs) it, It broke them down. And and it I think it was uh, again the distance side of things from waiting to let those birds those hens move through the food plot and kind of get on the other side of you before you before you called at them that was very wise because let's play a quick scenario if you hadn't of if you called to those hens the very first time that you saw them they could have cut you off gone straight to the turkeys or come in and really engage in those decoys, and then you're trying to call to a turkey who is now at 20 yards versus 60, 70 yards away, and they are so keen. Those little movements, or or if they see, not see necessarily, but your audio of of a turkey is coming from a blowed-over treetop, it just doesn't make that much sense, and they're probably going to move on out of the area pretty quick. But that hen decoy was between you and the turkeys that were calling. And it just, it makes a lot of sense, again, to add more realism. And sure enough, like you said, here come the turkeys, here come the longbeards, and wow, yikes, that was a show. Awesome. Awesome hunt. Awesome hunt. But the other thing I think that, kind of on a flip side, the birds that I end up getting on later on in the morning, they weren't, they didn't gobble. We had... We, no. got to, we got to an area <laughs> that, historically, we knew was really good for turkeys. You have killed, I've filmed you kill turkey there many years ago, five or six years ago. Three longbeards come up this logging road. I killed one right there last year. I think you and Adam have hunted and killed a turkey sh- somewhere in that area as yeah. well.
2: Adam killed, yeah, that's exactly right. This is crazy. But, I mean, I've killed a lot of midday turkeys right there at the four-way. Uh-huh. Yep, yeah, yeah. and...
1: But we got there, and we called. No response, nothing. We're like, ah, well, let's just sit down here. Not that the day's winding down, but we just know this is good. We just kind of took a long jaunt, and let's just
2: sit down and call for a few more minutes. Kind of get set up, R- right? Help. But re- go ahead. I want to. I want to add something mm-hmm. to that really yeah. quick, Matt. I want to back up so we don't miss anything here. Sure. Um, We, if you remember, uh, we did get them to, we got a courtesy gobble where we thought they were one gobble. Yes, Yes. good point. And I think it's really important um, how we got those to gobble. Um, There were a big fight that broke down towards the bottom.
1: Mm Mhm. A fight between the turkeys. We could hear this very loudly, audible. That sound was carrying throughout a lot of the timber
2: and and when they did i mean why they were fighting the whole woods it lit up so that's what was going on that morning and i think that's something that a lot of turkey hunters don't you know you got to listen you got to take it all in and you got to say what's going on in this morning mm-hmm. well that morning there was a lot of fighting a lot of dominance and that is how we located um, how you that's how you located those turkeys uh we threw off that fighting purr, and, cow, we got a courtesy. And then we yes. dove right into where you're at right now.
1: Yes. So off in the distance, that courtesy gobble, and we kind of look at each other like, well, we know pretty much that general area of where that bird is likely at. We got in there. But as soon as we got tight, which is, again, very common to get that courtesy gobble, and then when you move in and you're actually close, they don't gobble. Like, and, and I think your, your son who, Trace, who was tagging along with us, um, he asked a really good question, especially from uh, a younger hunter who, who is learning turkey hunting, but he goes, dad, what's a courtesy gobbler?
2: <laughs> <laughs> when you want to shoot right in the face, son. <laughs> yeah, exactly. don't talk much. We don't like them. We, yeah. we like Talking to turkey. <laughs> That's right.
1: That's right. So a, a, a courtesy gobble is when a turkey, he's probably hinned up or he's just not talking much, but he hears a bird, a hen call off in the distance, and he just gobbles one time. Just that he just responds once, maybe twice, and just to let you know, hey, I'm over here, but I'm not going to gobble my way all the way to you. I'm here if you want it, come kind of thing. So we heard that courtesy gobble, cut the distance, but as soon as we got in there, tight, and we knew we, were, we knew exactly where that bird was, or, or very, very close, proximity, and we called and, and he did not answer, started off soft, climbed an elevation, still no answer. So we sat, sat down. And I don't know, it might have been two minutes if that
2: two minutes head mask were not up <laughs> that's that's right i didn't have my
1: head head net on and you're yeah. I, I don't think trace even had his hat on the whole time i think he had no he, <laughs> we like we just sat down and i looked down the road and here's three red heads and just black bodies coming down the road and they weren't saying a peep um I think that they saw the decoys in the road, but were a little gun shy of the full strutter, but they kind of just came into the road, drifted off the road. And we started soft calling back and forth and keeping them close by. But as soon well, as you
2: close the deal, I mean, you closed the deal. I think
1: that this was that point. I wanted to come back to from, from, a um, what, what you did really well earlier in the morning was, call those hens once they got past. And one of the things that I was, and I don't even know how I got it out or when I had pulled it out, um, but I had gotten my wing out from the, the back of my vest. Right. And yeah. those birds drifted off of the road about 60, 70 yards and started to fade. We thought initially they were going to just loop around, but as they weren't gobbling, just kind of tailing off, it's all body language of those birds just kind of talk, you know, tell me, as they're looking at them, as they're kind of fading away, that man, they're really just not that interested. However, grabbed the wing and scratched in the leaves, and it was like a 360 yeah. or a 180. They just turned around and filtered right yeah, back out to different. the road. And, uh,
2: yeah,
1: it was kind of tight filming through the brush and not for you. And I, ha- it was a little bit longer of a shot than I wanted to take. But, um, the first time they kind of came right back out to the road, that, that, scratching the leaves that realism of hey there's turkeys up there sucked them back to the road and then they I I didn't pull the trigger right away and they filtered back and scratched another time or two and brought them right back out to the road and that second bird that stepped out we were able to get on them you know the, the timing wise and angle wise and pull the trigger and shot the bird but two drastically different hunts two wildly different approaches one this morning, that morning early, they were gobbling their head off, and just every sound that they were, they were, they were gobbling back, answering gobblers further down in the bottom, and it was great. But I think that those two hunts separately really kind of can sum up early season turkey hunting, though. A
2: hundred percent. I mean, just again, I don't, I don't want to sound like we're beating a dead horse, but we know the property. We knew yeah. where we needed to be. We feel like we knew from the courtesy gobble. I mean, I feel like I could have I could drop a pin on mm-hmm. Google Earth within fifty yards of where we heard that gobble, and and I think you agreed when yeah. I asked you, hey, where do you think those were? I mean, bam, we we were like, okay, to agree that is exactly where they are. Let's get in on them. Yep, definitely. And, and
1: we were at that point, we were four hundred yards, probably plus, away from those
2: turkeys. But that's how right. and, routine and bumped a few getting into them, which always makes <laughs> yeah. your nerves.
1: Yeah, it sure does. Uh,
2: kind of on edge, you know. Did who did we bump? What did we bump? Did they spook the other ones? And then you've got a courtesy gobbler on it. You know, is he still there? If he would have gobbled another time after we bumped him, sure, our you know our spirits would have been up. But mm-hmm. so we just because we bumped a few turkeys, we still. Um, followed through with the plan yeah. um, of where were we going and what we were doing. And keep in mind, we bumped a turkey, you know, probably hundred yards from where those turkeys actually were.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I mean,
1: the the farmer, there's no shortage of turkeys. I mean, there's, there's no. hens and uh, two hens here, a hen, a single over here, another single over there as we're trying to just maneuver around the property. And, Really, the the farthest walk I think that we really ever had from where you killed was to get back to these other birds. Everything else was right. We spent an entire morning basically. We within 300 yards of of kind of the epicenter of that that field where you killed, but there was just so much interaction and turkey uh, communication back and forth right there that was like, well, we can't really leave and it, and we can't really get around, but. That's a combination. It goes back to habitat is um, they got everything that they need. History is repeating itself. Great strut zones and um, nesting cover close by, as well as you're just not pulling the trigger many seasons beforehand over aggressively. And there's just there are lots of turkeys and that and that helps to be successful. Don't get me wrong, but when when you're trying to you know harvest or you're hunting in areas that are lower population or, or, um, you know, not as many turkeys around you, you have to use these things. You have to use history and you have to be smart and add as much realism into a setup as possible. And that'll ultimately increase your success. So, so Seth, as, as this is releasing, this will be week two of Missouri season and, and getting later into April closer into May, some of the northern states are just opening up into their full season. I think Pennsylvania, and New York is getting ready to open up. Maine, I think Wisconsin's open. Um, Minnesota I think is, is opening up to shotgun season. But as mm-hmm. as we're in this mix of okay down south where it's tail end of season, but what is some middle of the season success Successful tips that you can give someone when they're working a bird, like what is it that the turkeys are wanting to hear, one, or what are they wanting to do, as we're kind of the heartbeat of turkey season throughout the most of the country.
2: Well, for me again, it's you know, it's not getting each morning's different mm-hmm. with turkeys; they always react differently every morning. Um, we, I was just talking about that on the Facebook post earlier this morning actually turkeys are i mean if you try to figure out what a turkey's thinking if you uh, i mean you're like what in the world is he thinking it's like a light switch sometimes Mm -hmm. they're either on or they're off and i think whether you've got a big property a small property whether it's early season whether it's late season whether you have 20 acres or a thousand acres uh, and and we did that this morning on a hunt um killed an absolute monster but um is letting the morning breathe yes. before you go burning the brush down, burning out your mouth calls, having to rechalk your box calls, and walking the whole property before nine o'clock. I think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the best strategy is being where you historically know they were, history again,
3: and getting a for what's going
2: on that morning the morning you and i killed there was a lot of fighting going on there was a lot of dominance um for whatever reason there were some gobblers bunched up there were a few hens bunched up yep uh, the calling was apps on the roost that morning was absolutely balling on fire yes. i mean the turkeys were fired up you know you could go there the next morning and they not tune up until Eight thirty. 30 if we would have already walked the property because we didn't hear any goblin if you'd have been there the morning before you would have known that there's 20 gobblers there yeah. but if you didn't hear any gobble the next morning you walk the whole property you didn't let it breathe so i think letting it breathe wherever you're at and just you know slowing down figuring out what what exact the breeding phase is what really threw me on monday um for us. Yep. And it was a, the history was just a little bit off, if you will, or the, the I mean the history wasn't off at all, but just the turkeys thinking was off. They always charge our strutter decoy. Right. Always. You know what? They they came in, but they just well, they just weren't charge on. And then you think about what else went on that morning. I mean, we heard knockdown drag out five. Yes. Wings beating um, just
1: Non stop for yeah. five five solid minutes and just wings and just you, you know, you just imagining yeah. over the hill there's turkeys flipped up up upside <laughs> down basically kicking each other. It was loud, it was intense.
2: So there was there was an angry boss around there. So as I'm sitting there looking at the morning and letting that breathe, let me tell you, if if you would not have connected and closed the deal with that, um with the wing and the leaves, because that's ultimately what made him circle satellite, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I can assure you, we would have been putting the strutter up the rest of the morning. Yeah, yeah. Um, so letting it yeah. breathe, assessing, and and here's the deal. Now, and here's the deal. What I'm trying to say about letting it breathe. Now, just think about this, and I want to see if you agree with me. Sure. If those turkeys. uh the ones that uh, we that you closed the deal on, mm-hmm. or the one that you closed the deal on, if they would have drifted off, I would almost bet if we would have just sat there and let it breathe, that we could have repositioned just a little bit, put that strutter up, yep, let it just rest a minute, and called them right back to a hen decoy.
1: I agree completely. And, and the reason I say that is because... Thursday, and you, this is talking about letting letting things breathe a little bit. Thursday morning, before I had to go to Kentucky, I took a new hunter out. And it rained that morning early. So I was like, I don't want the first thing to be getting soaked and and wet and to not hear birds gobbling. Let's try and just, you know... Only go out when time's going to be good and think it going be on turkey. So that time was like, we'll just, we'll find a turkey in the field and make a move, try and call it in, or just try and strike a bird after that rain moves past. So we didn't even start hunting. We met at 930 in the morning ah. and we were on birds within the first 15 minutes of the hunt. It was just right. waiting for that time to get right when we knew that turkeys would either tune up on their own or the weather was going to help dictate that and get them more in a mood or move them out to a field where we could then see them and then make a better game plan. I, I I think that there is like this, if you're not on birds out there first thing in the morning, then you're not turkey hunting. And I, I'm like, yeah, right. I don't know how many times that Chad, Adam's brother and I, or 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 a combination of Adam and Chad, we've hunted birds off the roost and said, "Let's go get breakfast at the diner, go get coffee, go get full, come back <laughs> yeah. at nine nine thirty in the morning, and and at that point, that's when birds want to work." And I think that right, I mean, you can blow through a property just like you said, way too early, and just completely demolish the. The, the truthfully the time at nine thirty till one o'clock when birds are very very killable
2: right and the, and the same thing jamie she killed a, oh, a nice yeah. turkey friday yep same exact same exact scenario minus you waited until 9 30 to get there mm-hmm. um we had some birds tune up on the roost had a failed attempt didn't work mm-hmm. and the birds shut up um Well, what I typically do on that, now keep in mind, you can't do this when the wind's howling 25 mile an hour. But on good mornings, when you can hear an audible gobble for several hundred yards on quieter mornings, Mm -hmm. and you know there's turkeys there versus just, you just mentioned earlier, turkeys can hear. They can pinpoint where the sound is, and they can. Yep. And, you know, minus the foliage right now, So turkeys, they weren't tuned up that morning. They were on the roost. You could tell that they got with hens really quick. So versus just go out again and not let the situation breed, and burning the reeds out of our mouth calls walking and our box calls walking and busting hens up and gobblers, you know what? Get to a spot you can hear. Go set in under a shade tree of a cedar. Yep. Let it breathe. Get on your phone. Cruise Facebook. Do whatever you can make a call every so often, but nine times out of ten, you'll either get the gobble you need to hear, or maybe you're overlooking a field. Um, but let it breathe. Let the turkeys do what they want to do. And just like you add, a lot of people think that if you don't get it on the roost, it's it's one and done. That they're done. Dude, them turkeys are there. Oh yeah, they don't I leave mean, you, you just gotta let it breathe and let them tune up. Know the history of the property, and it, it's it's gonna happen for you. Don't just burn the brush down and spook everything. That's one sure way um, not to have very good success, especially those on
1: smaller property. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 to to follow up <laughs> on this podcast is you will find out the very next day. Both Adam and Chad harvested turkeys, and they're going to talk about this here in a second, at 1230 and at 1250, midday, Woo! noon gobblers,
3: gobbling <laughs> turkeys. And th-
1: this this happens. You just have to be out there to be able to witness it and experience it. But those turkeys don't leave, and they can get tuned up, and they can get fired up real good midday. Right, so, right.
2: Uh, real quick. Yes. Uh, had an awesome hunt this morning that goes right along with what, what sure. we are talking about. A good cousin of mine, Ace Lynn Harker, we call mm-hmm. him Ace. That is truly his name. Um everybody's like his that's his nickname. Nope. Ace <laughs> is his name, Ace Harker. Um and he's got a two hundred acre property that that he can hunt. It's yep. farm country. You're talking beef cows and hay fields and uh neighbors that turkey hunt on every corner. Yep. And This morning, he knew where the strut zone was. He knew where the history was. Keep in mind, I've never turkey hunted this property, Mm -hmm. but he knew where the strut zone is, and he knew the big open field we had to walk across to get to this strut zone. It's kind of a depression in the field where a draw dissects the field, Mm. and it's kind of like a hilltop field funnel, and they go and just strut back and forth through their perfect spot. Long story short, it starts cracking daylight. The turkeys were... One of them was probably 800 yards off. The other one was 700 yards off. And I tell you what, my inclination, not being there, because we had this draw, my inclination was to get to the draw and get to the turkeys. Yeah, sure. Yep. Let's get as close as we can. And him knowing the property, this is where they want to be. This is their strut zone. This is where they want to be. hmm And... Long story short, we worked the bird right into, right into. It took, you know, it took an hour, sure. but we were where they wanted to be, and he killed an absolute slammer, dude. Yeah, I saw I pictures and saw the, whew. gosh, Unreal. twenty-seven pounds, inch and three spur, inch and an eighth, a eleven and seven eighths beard, a nine-inch beard, just an absolute Jeez. old, old slammer and it was just he knew the history of the property yep um what was the coolest thing about that um the neighbor stood up on the fence line after we shot we had no idea he was there said i've been after that turkey just recapping the conversation i've been after that turkey trying to kill him for a week um he comes up in either that side of the field of the draw or the other side of the field and then he's got 300 acres Mm mm-hmm Back to the south, but for whatever reason he couldn't connect. But I want to say congrats to the landowner of the other property because I mean he's a winner too. Because I will assure you, he could have crossed the fence if that turkey was doing it what it said it was. I know he could have crossed the fence, and the odds would have been better the way that turkey sure. was, he was, was working. So, he respected property. Lines. What an awesome, yeah, yeah what an awesome hunt him. that was. Again, it, all that hunt was was history being where they wanted to be and then we added the ingredients yes the calling the hint the decoys and bam. Bam, bam, bam. Well, I, I, I'm
1: pumped up because we had a heck of a, a heck of an opening week here for Land Legacy and everyone involved. And uh, tomorrow is a whole new fresh week. Everyone's got new tags again to be able to go out. And uh, I'm pumped up. But you guys stay tuned and listen to the incredible hunt that Adam and his brother had here. Part two of opening week of Missouri's turkey season. Seth, thank you so much for coming on, man
0: thank you matt appreciate you all right so segment number two adam here and we're going to jump back in following up last week's podcast like matt said previously um we kind of did the the podcast with the with the two teams the two crews that were going out matt and seth and chad and i and uh you heard through last week's podcast kind of the different approaches so once again, Chad and I are back on the podcast together discussing kind of the events that occurred for us on uh, the first two days of, of Missouri spring turkey season. Chad, if you could sum it up um, in one sentence, how would you rate the first week of Missouri turkey season?
3: Well, I don't know how, I guess we could figure it up how many hours from daylight till, till one o'clock, but... Two days worth of that, minus one hour of frustration, and then one hour <laughs> one hour of excitement, of extreme excitement.
0: Yes, uh, I think, you know, if you look at the first week, it was majority of frustrations versus celebrations, because um, we hunted, let's see here, three days? And, and I think it's important to note that, you know, we don't get after it as much as we used to, um, for the simple fact that we kind of picked it. We used to hunt every stinking day a season or as many as we could. And now it's kind of, I try to make sure I got good days that I go. And, um, and so we went opening day, then we went on Tuesday and then it rained Wednesday and Thursday and we were out there on Friday and it rained again Saturday, and so. Uh, yeah.
3: Well, then I, mean, I went and called. Yeah. For a buddy today too.
0: Yeah, and so opening day was. Uh, sorry, I had to. Yeah. I was. I could feel a cough coming on, so I had to take a drink. But opening day was one of the most frustrating opening days that I can remember. Um, I,
3: beautiful I just remember weather through the through the morning. Well, I was getting ready to say that through the morning. How many times did we say, this is like the most beautiful weather we've had on an opening day in a long time. This yes. is the best weather we've had. And the reason we were saying that is because we were so frustrated that nothing was gobbling.
0: Nothing. It was just pure frustration. We heard after
3: after seven thirty.
0: <laughs> we heard the last gobble at seven thirty, And of course, Missouri season shuts, shuts down at one o'clock every day. And it was just, nothing but frustrating because you couldn't i mean if you were going to draw up the days to to uh like the the conditions that that we wanted for opening day or for any turkey season it's like well i want low lower temperatures i want it cool in the morning then i want to get up in the 60s low 70s i like a little bit of a breeze but not too much um i like full sun like, these are all the recipes to make, or this is all the recipe to make turkeys gobble, and they just didn't do it. And and to make things even worse, um, <laughs> opening day meant that uh, a lot of the birds were roosted on the neighboring property. And uh, it was just kind of one of those oddball scenarios where when you're hunting uh, kind of open terrain, open pasture ground, that there's times when the turkeys just aren't there and they've moved off. And then there's times where they're all over the place. And opening day was just one of those where there were birds right on the edge of the property, but there wasn't a a whole lot. And they weren't gobbling much anyway. And so uh, it was just a very... Slow start to Missouri season, and I will add, you know, we kicked this podcast off, Chad and I, but uh, as the season progressed, or as as the week progressed, Matt ended up uh, because as you heard on the first part of the podcast, him and Seth had a great opening day. Um, MRI definitely paid off for those guys, oh, yeah, for sure, and uh, so now Matt's joining us on the podcast What's to talk up? about uh, our kind of our second day together. Um. You know, your guys' opening day, Matt, was a lot different than our opening day. I remember going, texting you guys, and be like, you, you texted us early and said turkey out. And it was like, oh, cool. All right, that's awesome. Glad somebody's, somebody's on them. Thinking that at any point we were going to get to text you guys the same thing. Cause right, right. we're both in primo spots, and um, it just didn't occur. And I remember even texting you at like 9.30 going, have you hurt? And you guys texted us and said you got the second bird down. I'm like, we haven't hurt a bird in two hours. Yeah, that was yeah, that was later on
1: eleven fifteen ish. But it, even in between that time frame, from when Seth killed to then, it was still hearing turkeys, distant gobbles. But then we got really tight to birds; they were fighting, interacting. But I'm sure you've already talked about the just
0: not Jake's. No, I haven't even. Oh, mentioned you it yet. Mentioned? No, okay. we haven't
3: gotten to that. Well, well, See, that was the other thing I was going to mention. Maybe, maybe Matt was just our good luck charm because. You know, I took off and went crappie fishing that afternoon, and didn't plan on getting back to a ride at dark. And Matt got up there before me, and he's texting us like, "Oh, there's longbeards here. There's longbeards here. I see turkeys here." Yeah. I'm like, we're the whole time like, you better check and make sure they're not jakes. Cause <laughs> we saw jakes there.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. That was a good little afternoon of scouting, but not to. I guess, still
0: your guys's show. I mean, you just ran into jakes. I mean, Everywhere we went was jakes. Opening day, we set up, and it was start calling. And, you know, there was there was a whole wad of turkeys on the fence on the property line. And four come our way, and the others kind of drift to the north. And ended up that what we assume are the longbeards went north, and the jakes came to us. And then... Um, you know, goodness, we kind of move around. And then there's three more jakes in the field uh, and a few hens. And then we move around a little bit more. And there's, what was it, four more jakes, Chad? Um, yeah. And, and this isn't just like, to kind of paint
1: that picture, this isn't just like, oh, maybe it's the same flock of jakes. Y'all no. are like moving. You're, you're moving. And ground. everywhere
0: we went was jakes. It was just like, holy cow, there's a lot of jakes yeah. here. And, then and then at our, that our point, final... that's when – I think that's when Chad and I when we got to the truck is like, Yeah, throw the Jake decoy in the back because we're not gonna use that. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And then we went and then we went to another part of the farm and called in two more Jakes.
0: Yeah. Like, and so last year it was a good hatch. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> well, next year should be fun. Yeah. Um but you know, it was just one of those days where nothing was gobbling. and every time we did see birds. Redheads, exciting. Oh nope, it's Jake's, and uh, it was just a a long a long day of going around and seeing Jake's and not hearing gobbles. Well, I think that that second
1: day, as you guys are going to talk about here, really painted the picture of okay, this is totally why opening day was the way it was yeah as it was a little bit more of a visual side of things from interacting of calling in turkeys and seeing exactly what jakes were doing and i think that's really indicative of early season yes like uh, just just the breaking the pecking order sorting everything out and my gosh when you have that many turkeys on a place
0: you're going to you're just going to see these flocks and just typically when we see large flocks like this it's like okay we need a half strut jake out and and the toms are going to come sort the dominance out or show their mm-hmm. dominance over this jake decoy and we're going to be we're going to be in the money but unfortunately i guess it's fortunately yes but at the same time it it's unfortunate for the hunting side because you know the the fortunately Side of this story is the fact that there are so many Jake's, which tells us the population's doing great, but um, at least last year's hatch was. And but the other side of that is it made for some very, very frustrating hunts. And (laughs) just when you think they're coming together, it's like, oh no, yeah, Yeah. I think we've always talked about the phrase punk Jake's, and that's what these or bully Jake's that's what this was because. Every time we started calling, even though we would get a gobbler two, then they'd immediately shut up. And so, you know, I don't remember, Chad. Did we even see many longbeards opening day?
3: Mm, I don't know that we saw. We saw those two. Yeah. On the on the one neighbor in the yeah. field that ended up getting run off by Jake's, but. I mean that was where we weren't even hearing gobbles or seeing any Longbeards. So we just walked around and it was we just saw Jakes.
0: Yeah, and even when we did hear a gobble it'd be like one or two and then nothing. So it was a little bit like, okay, they're they're either really hinned up or something's going on. And so day number two, Matt's joining us now. It's you and I and Matt and we're bouncing around and we knew based on what we heard the day before was we need to get tight because they may not gobble well. And so we we're trying to get in tight. Figure out what's going on, and um, you know, wouldn't you know it? Um, two long beards come out first thing, and more Jake's answering, come actually out. Actually, answering the answering call, the call, and then more uh, more Jake's come out, and then they're headed back in the woods. And that was kind yeah, of a. The first time of really going, okay, we just now got to see an interaction between Gobblers and Jakes, and clearly the Jakes are the ones ruling the roost around here. Yeah. And so it was like, hmm, this is probably something based on what we're seeing now tells us that as season progresses, we're going to have to get really tight to toms because they still want to respond to calls. But the chances of calling them a long ways – are, are are slim because they're probably going to run into jakes and they're probably going to get pushed around and chased around because they're outnumbered and so uh you know that after seeing those two toms get run off then they shut up is like that explains yesterday that's why we'd only hear one or two gobbles and then they would shut up and uh so then and, we moved and if
3: we if we wondered if that was a fluke the rest of most of the rest of the morning uh provided evidence that that was not a fluke
0: that's exactly it um everywhere we went that morning we would run into more jakes we would find toms at one point we saw a tom i don't know 400 yards away and he was coming gobbling hard and was working his way and then he got quiet and we're like okay and he was down he was out in a big pasture but he was down in a valley and as he got quiet we're trying to figure out what's going on you sneak up to the tree and about that uh tree out in the pasture to kind of peak and about that time he runs over the top of the hill getting chased by two jakes and it was just like huh. that was i mean that was so visual because it was i not mean, i don't know exactly how large that
1: field is but i mean he made a huge circle I, I mean it was like daytona 500 out there yeah and that's not an exaggeration monster field and these jakes are just a
0: hundred yards behind just booking it and yeah. we're like and they run over the hill to the to the what? southeast and all of a sudden we look out there to the west, yeah. and there they are running again. And you're like, "Where? there's that tom. He's running. Oh, look behind him 100 yards. There's those two jakes. And it's just like, are you kidding me? And uh, so that bird shut up, and it was just uh, a, a reminder, man, we're going to have to get in close to the toms to, to pull this off. And hopefully as the day progresses and as the season progresses, it's going to be better and better because jakes are going to kind of start drifting around, floating off, and they, instead of being condensed into flocks, they're going to be more kind of flocks of jakes. I mean, individual many, hens, individual
3: toms. How many jakes did we end up? It was like, close to twenty or over certain. twenty, I think. That's yeah, a lot. That of one jakes. group had six. That's so in many it. jakes.
0: <laughs> so many jakes, and it's just, it's just awful uh to to try to to hunt with that
3: i think that added to the frustration because the morning before it was like no gobbling whatsoever and then the second morning we're actually having birds respond and thinking we're in the ball game to only have it just like the switch flip where it's like what's going on More are yeah it was like every time we'd get on a bird and get him fired up and think all right he's coming in he's coming in it would just like switch. You'd see, you could, the ones that you could see, you could see their demeanor change. Yeah. Like, Oh, I know what's going on.
0: And I think this is a good reminder, a good kind of lear- learning experience of, if this is something you're dealing with, you're dealing with bully Jakes, throw the Jake decoy out because it's not gonna, it's not your it's, best, uh, your best approach. Thing. Yes. <sighs> Single hen at the most because, the toms that you're trying to target to harvest are probably getting run around. And so all they're trying to do, they're tired of fighting. They're sick of fighting. And they're really focused on just trying to find one hen or a hen that they can take off, push her away from everybody, and and, and breed her and be on their own, not having to deal with a bunch of bullies. My hunt the opening day late
1: in the after uh, afternoon, late in the morning was really uh, – indicative of that there was a there was a um full fan decoy out and they just skirted and we had to resort to just scratching and leave just to bring them right back out and calm them back down and um it worked but they did not come into just a single hen decoy and if we hadn't killed we'd made the mention of we're not like that thing's going away these birds are not reacting well to it and so a lot of times just a single hen is all that you need I, i the, that's the probably my go
0: to decoy is like if, if 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 I got cornered and they're like you can have one decoy for the rest of your life. I say Him. one lone hen, that's all I want. Gimme, give gimme, give gimme. Give because yeah. it's it never really sends
1: a bad message. No.
0: It's, I I it's think always, it's almost always neutral or positive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Even even some of the worst looking Hand decoys still work (laughs) yes they do (laughs) i think of the old uh i won't say it but it was a foam one that my dad had that by the time that we were getting a little older it was a brown silhouette that still shot we still shot turkeys over the top of it and it was just the flattest just dull brown dull brown yeah kind of looked like a like just somebody stamped sponges like just it was nothing But anyway, um, you know, that that's kind of a, a good reminder of if you're dealing with difficult birds, uh, unresponsive birds, uh, birds that don't show a lot of aggression or don't show a lot of interest in the calling, probably stick to just the one-hand decoy because, um, you know, it, it, I would consider throwing out jake decoys, half-strut jake decoys, a little bit more aggressive, and then, of course, a full-strut's really aggressive. And uh, I I think that there's a a good part of hunts that uh, a strutting decoy can be viewed as a negative um, just as much as a positive on other hunts. And so in this case, I don't don't foresee anything changing enough during this hunting season to go grab a strutting decoy and stick it out there. Um, No. And I don't honestly, unless we go to a new farm, I don't foresee us even using a Jake decoy a whole lot. Um, if ever, um, just based on the farms we're hunting right now, it's like, eee, I don't know about this. Now, you guys, you guys use a strutter, kind of a two D type strutter mm-hmm. that kind I would, of worked, but still, when you watch the footage, you can definitely not. see they're like, yeah, was not, it was not at all running the, the situation. I would honestly think, I would love to see just a hen decoy. Well, that's on what those I was birds. saying. I was
1: like, we we weren't, we, we were saying after that the way those birds reacted. If if I hadn't been able to call them back in and take a shot and harvest one. That joker was going to the truck. Like yeah. they, they want, they would have reacted and we're coming to a call, but they were definitely keeping their distance from that full strut.
0: Yep. Yep. So anyway, day two, you know, we're dealing with a lot of jakes. We're dealing with a lot of headaches. Um, but we're dealing with a lot of a lot of great reminders that next season should be awesome. But a lot of turkeys in general too. A lot of turkeys everywhere. And so we were we, were, were we got on a bird mid morning that was seemed to have just one hen with him. There weren't jakes around him. He was gobbling well, um, and we're not Res- sure Responded
3: responding to a call really well.
0: Responding to a call really well. We got in position. Felt really really good about it. And something spooked him. Probably the farmer doing some work with the cows, which is kinda of going back to last week last week's podcast when we're hunting when we're hunting a working cattle farm, you kind of are always ready to change your strategy and move to something else. And so this bird ended up kinda of running over the hill semi kind of adjacent to us where we knew he wasn't spooked from us, but he kinda of just shut up and was running off and we're like, Well, let's give him a little while, let's come back to him mid morning or later in the morning. To see if we can get him fired back up and um so we we leave and go to another part of the farm or on other birds and now you know fast forward we did a couple of other hunts but we're getting to the kills now and and so um we go in back over towards where we heard this uh or where we saw this bird that got bumped by the farmer earlier in the morning kind of another little valley we call death valley and uh wouldn't you know it there's a strutter Chad picked up over the hill. There's a strut over two hens. Um, well, tell this...
3: me, your, both of your thoughts, walking from the truck at 1130, your outlook, uh,
0: my outlook for the next was, hour and a half? My outlook for, for the next hour and a half was like a lot of hunts that occur in that valley is um, we're probably going to see a tom or a uh, some turkeys in that field but the chances of actually getting one into range I don't I I'm, I'm not betting on us
1: I was definitely like we're going to encounter birds but we'll get some footage at a distance and I'll probably wrap up the day
0: yep yep and so you know Chad peeked over the hill saw a strutter with two hens we thought okay well the very least what we're going to have to do is sneak a hen decoy out and start calling to see what he does and wouldn't you know it first I think the very first call he gobbled and yeah, it was like, that's well, what okay. we wanted to
3: call when we could see him and see his reaction.
0: Yeah, and, and so, it was like
3: the gobble and turn and strut facing us. Right, we might be in the game here.
0: Yeah, we've we've got a shot. We've got, so you're saying there's a chance. Yeah. Um, and so basically we um, we set we kind of scooted around and stuck the the way this field shaped kind of like a bowl we were able to stick a hen decoy right on the crest of the hill. You guys bounce back. I kind of hung back over where we were watching him just to hear you guys call him, call a little bit myself and just monitor monitor how he's uh how he's responding and if he's coming. And uh we sat there for a little while and and it sure appeared like he was coming, so I bow- bounced back and got back behind you guys and kind of started float calling and he didn't gobble for a while. And so at that point um You know, this was 11:30, I think, when we spotted him, or 11:40, somewhere in there, coming up on the hour mark, um, with season closing at one, and um, we kind of uh, we set there for a little bit, and uh, I looked up at you and kind of just looked and see how your body language was, and I was like, I don't think they've heard him either, so I slip around, pop back up where we were at, and about that time he gobbles again one more time and he's already drifted to the left a little bit more to where it's like oh no he's 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 hit the woods or he's he's moving north instead of moving south and so i hightailed it got way back behind you guys and i'm trying to get you guys positioned in between me and him and i just start waylaying on him trying to get him to know okay this hen's moving over here and uh in this process it's just like all right let's let's wait him out and see what happens and i'm trying to get myself moved around to to look out in this field to see what's going on from a different angle and about that time you
3: guys shot and uh well i guess you didn't we haven't talked about the fact that this bowl that this turkey's in but part of the reason it's so tough to hunt is like the trees that we were set up on are not the hill comes up and makes its peak and then drops back to the timber so, when you sit on the edge of the trees, you're looking up the hill and then back down. So, the birds can come up and you can see their heads and they can telescope, but they don't see your decoy very well. Yeah. And
0: I, and you know, this is just one of those things. I do not enjoy telescoping birds. That's why I hate hunting on the crests of hills like this because I like to see birds interact, especially around a decoy or right out in front of you. I mean, you can go to our YouTube channel which this is another reminder. There's a lot of videos dropped on YouTube, so please go over to Land and Legacy and, uh, and watch those hunts. There's more dropping soon. The, the hunts we're talking about will be on there very soon, uh, so you don't want to miss those. But, you know, it's just like I like to see a turkey interact with a decoy. I like to see them in our face, and this field is just like a telescoping or periscoping turkey's dream. And, That's uh, why they spend so much time in that field. Yeah. We always see birds in that. You field. can't when they get down in the valley. You just can't crawl to them. You can't no. get out to them. You just have to sit around the perimeter. And it's almost like uh, I picture the way they feel down in that bowl is a lot like that. I think I said this last week, but it's like a baseball stadium where you can't move down to them because it's wide mm-hmm. open, and they you you gotta just wait on them to come up. And uh, anyway. By 1230, 1230. 12.30, you shot um, twice. <laughs>
3: <laughs> this, the the this part bird. of the, the telescoping bird and not seeing the decoy. We've got to yeah, mention yeah. that he comes in and steps around some buck brush and already gets nervous. He
1: didn't. And basically, I, when I was like, "Chad, I'm, I, I've, I've got him rolling the footage." You're like, "I can't see him. I can't see him." He takes four or five more steps. And then it was like, okay, I got him. And then he took maybe one, two steps. And then all of a sudden he got nervous. So your show was like pretty minimal of this bird. You didn't see yeah, that Yeah, I saw
3: it. like three steps of him. The whole time you're like, I see him. He's coming this way. And I'm like, I still don't see him. <laughs> and there was a big patch of buck brush to the left. And the reason we sat there is because we had a little more cover with that buck brush. But mm-hmm. then it, it got us and he comes around. And it was like as soon as I could see him, and I didn't move. I mean, you got it on the GoPro. I'm just sitting there still, and I'm like, "Oh, there he is!" And I don't know what he saw. I don't know. But either. It was like instant turn to start to walk away, and you're like, "You better do something quick!" And <laughs> I swung, and just I swung too fast and shot. But then I stood up and had him going away and bowled him over. Yeah, which not the <laughs> not the ideal not the ideal kind of. Turkey kill, but it got but, the job done. You know how many hunts that like
1: actually follow through that are like 100% ideal? Very few. Mine was. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, which, which we're about to get The very next one
1: was. <laughs> the very next few minutes.
0: Unreal. So, Chad knocks his bird down. That's first bird for you and I. You know, I don't know, 30 seconds of the bird on film just strutting yeah. and coming up the crest of it's the hill. It's a beautiful show. Yeah. I mean, he was beautiful. They'll have to take our word for it for most of it. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, anyway, so you got the bird, nice bird, 20, what was he? 23 pounds, 9-inch beard. four. Okay, 24. Yeah, that's right. Mine was 23. 24-pound, 9-inch beard, and about an inch spurs. Um, And, uh, you know, gobbled great, came in, left two hens, came to us. And, uh, you know, overall, just uh, one of those hunts where... I think if you could sum up our, our week um, or our first two days was patience. Patience is, is it and just grinding it out because eventually those hens, are they're not all going to be bunched up to where the jakes can run off the toms, and that's what we found was scattered hens with scattered toms and jakes just trying to patrol and find them. You shot your bird, and lo and behold, just down the hill was gaggle of jakes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. And it's just like, get out of here. And so uh oddly enough they were they were down in the direction we were headed so we enjoyed getting to walk their ways three globs on the hill and uh, see them run back the way they came but
3: um you know so then I, you I sh- check my bird yeah I mean, this is the, the funniest thing I go ahead and check it on the app so I know that it's at 12:33
0: Twelve thirty three,
3: and yep. mind
1: you, for those who don't know, season in Missouri every day closes at one p.m.
3: Yes,
0: so you have just an ongoing tick tock, tick tock against you, and so you tagged your bird at twelve thirty three, and at twelve, and so you tagged it, and we walked back to where kind of the base or headquarters for us, and started gathering up the vest, the decoy bag the GoPro, the typical stuff, just getting everything arranged so that it had fallen out of your vest or you had set on the ground. And as we did that, you handed me the shotgun at 1240. And at 1240, we started walking northwest. You've got to say your comments, though. Okay. I hand you
3: the gun and you You say... hand me the
0: gun and I say, oh, geez, thanks for giving me 20 minutes of the day left to hunt. And because you had hunted all the first day and then most of the second day. And so you handed me the shotgun. I was like, oh, gee, thanks. It's like you sent me in in the last minute of the basketball game to try to shoot a three-pointer. Go in there, get fouled, son, and throw (laughs) throw up a free throw. (laughs) It's a blowout. Hey, so-and-so, come off the bench. You're going (laughs) in. And uh, so basically you handed me the gun. I said, oh, gee, thanks. We walked 211 yards. Northwest. Thank thank you, Onyx. Thank you. Because we, we Onyx. had to we had to replay them like literally how far did we walk? Because twelve thirty three we kinda of
1: started heading that way. Twelve forty. Twelve forty.
0: Twelve forty. We started heading that way. So we walked down there and get to the edge of the timber and we're overlooking this cattle pasture where we had been seeing birds be bopping around. And and we believe that the bird Chad shot was the one we were on prior to the uh, earlier in the morning that the farmer my farmhand most likely bumped out of the field doing fertilizer cattle things, and we walked down and it was just kind of that like ah we got a few minutes let's just see what happens and I said uh, hey maybe I oughta I'll call right here see if anything answers. You know, if something gobbles right here, I'm going to lay on that levee map. Maybe you sit under that cedar tree, and we'll just see what happens. And I hit that slate call, and three or multiple birds gobbled to the kind of northwest, and it was like, wow. And and three guys standing on the edge of the timbers, all their eyes went, hey, there's the chance. And immediately it was like, how much time we got? Oh, we have about 15 minutes. This better happen fast. <laughs> and so I think it took us like 5 minutes to move that 2 211 yards and uh we got down there. Birds gobble and we're like this uh, there's no way we can run across this field. This is a better setup even though it's it's further away. Let's just do it. And I think Matt Matt gets ready and and I'm like plopping down on 11 he goes, "Oh, you're think, re- you're really you going to" called-
3: we called another
0: time. Yeah, we called one more we time, and they time gobbled, and, like, and it was like,
3: okay, and I think they're that, coming.
0: Yeah, and I, and I just started f- taking my gear off, and, and Matt goes, you're really going to lay on that levee? And I was like, oh, yeah, this is the only option. So he sat against a cedar kind of back five yards from me or so, and uh, I grabbed the hen decoy and stuck her on the levee right above me. So she's like st- sticking out like a sore thumb and i'm laying underneath her the top of your head looks like an egg that she yeah, just laid or a little <laughs> cow patty that <laughs> yeah. she's scratching in yeah and uh so i'm laying there and i call again they gobble again ended up another bird gobbles off to the north so now we've got two three four birds whatever it is we we don't know it's multiple birds they're gobbling all around and uh you know i i think uh at that point it's going what how much time we got and uh it was like we got 14 minutes or whatever and uh something like that cuz it was right around 12:45 and anyway um GoPro's are running we got everything set up and all of a sudden Chad goes hey there's three long beards just stepped out in the field and they just immediately start coming And like not just coming, like running, beard swinging left to right, and that full fledged waddle where it's just like, wow, they they're really moving. Like they just covered twenty yards. Now they just covered forty
1: yards, and they are running. Yeah, and and at one one point each other.
0: I ask, what time? Um, and Chad, I think you said it's twelve, twelve forty seven or something like that. I don't remember. And I said, we've got 12 minutes. And I said, well, if they keep this pace up, we're going to, we're going to have six minutes left to celebrate. And, uh, anyway, they ran all the way up, hit the gate, one of them tucked under and the other two were kind of a little bit cautious because it wasn't an ideal approach because of the gate and the five strand barbed wire fence. Anyway, uh, at that point, they'd come close enough, and I popped him all, and by that point, it was 12.51. So when you handed me the gun at 12.40, we covered 211 yards and killed a turkey in 11 minutes. And those turkeys probably covered 350 or so? Easy, yeah. (laughs) It was just one of those where what we assume is those birds were moving fast because they were trying to beat Jake's to the hen. Um, they were trying to get in there fast so they didn't have to deal with a bunch of jakes. And uh, it ended up being a 23-pounder, 9-inch beard, and inch spurs. So a little bit smaller uh, in weight than Chad's, but about the same size. And, uh, yeah, 11 minutes. So you wait all spring. You wait 12, 11 months out of the year. For spring turkey season, it was over in 11 minutes. <laughs> but I will say this. Again, going in to that last, like,
1: kind of hoorah on that day, I was like – I'd no birds are tagged. We're gonna run into Jake's. Never did we think that two long beards would be thrown on the, over your shoulders walking out. No, I mean it's fantastic.
0: No, and then I mean fast forward to Friday morning, and Chad and I took my took our dad out, and by six twenty, he had a bird down on the family farm. Um, it was also on film, so that hunt will be on our YouTube channel, Facebook page as well. So, pretty stinking unbelievable turkey season for us. I mean. When you look at running the cruise we did, we got we run two or three cameras, depending on the day, and we killed. We have Trace's youth turkey season hunt to show. We have um, your turkey hunt, Seth's mm-hmm. turkey hunt, Chad's turkey hunt, my turkey hunt, and Dad's turkey hunt. Seth's wife's turkey Seth's hunt. Seth's wife's turkey hunt for the same day that Dad killed. So three days of Missouri turkey season, and we had six, six, six birds. kills and six films coming. Uh, plus another one for Arch, uh, for Trace Youth Season, and then Seth actually filmed another one this morning. So, bunch of turkey hunts hitting the channel soon. So you don't want to miss it. Miss it out on that. Um, overall, you know, if we were going to wrap up the first week, I'd say started slow and only got way, 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 way better. And uh, you know, it's it's encouraging. Turkey numbers are down overall. I mean, you hear that from a lot of people minus the people in the north uh, north northern states and but a lot of people are complaining about low numbers so um we're trying to really be cautious and and not hunting too hard but but definitely hunting areas that have healthy populations and that farm's definitely got a healthy population um you know this morning chad you took another guy and you saw three long beards and we didn't even know there was four long beards and we didn't even realize there was that many on that side of the farm so it's kind of a it's encouraging to know that there's still some birds down there that weren't gobbling real well.
3: Yeah, because that was four that was four longbirds that we had not really. That was an area we haven't hunted yet. Yeah, yeah. So we guys, haven't, we haven't touched it.
0: Yeah, and and so that's kind of a wrap up for our <laughs> first week of season. Ch- uh, Seth and Matt did really well. Chad and I, rally did really well. We got a lot of hunts. Um, very encouraging. Um, Very encouraging start to the season. Now we've got some guests to take, some friends to take, um, and most importantly, we've got some observations to make to see how we can improve the habitat to ensure future hunting seasons will occur. Chad, thanks for coming on once again. Can't wait to get back out in the woods with you.
3: Yeah, won't be long.
0: All right, guys, thanks for listening to Land and Lakes Podcast once again. Uh, if you guys are um, interested in in our videos, once again, go check out the YouTube channel Land and Legacy. Leave us a comment or a review on iTunes, um, or shoot, you can even leave us a review on our social media channels. Uh, just a quick shout out for uh, a couple of our or one of our sponsors makes this all happen. Stratton Seed, you know, guys, we're right in the heart of food plot season, guys, and uh, it's definitely um worth your while to check out stratton seed some great blends great prices probably shocking prices when you compare it if you walk into the store and compare prices um a lot of uh, a lot of seed going in the ground right now and we're fixing to put a lot of seed in the ground so check it out go strattonseed.com guys thanks once again uh can't thank you enough for continuing to support this podcast and support us um we're still quarantined here in missouri as a lot of you guys are but uh, we've been uh, continuing with some of our consults that are close but uh, looks like it's going to be a very busy summer of consulting uh, as soon as we can get back up and and get out of this lockdown guys catch you next week see ya